Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Able Voices podcast. I'm Dr. Rhoda Bernard, Founding Managing Director of the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education, and I am proud to present this podcast featuring disabled artists and arts educators. We are inviting artists with disabilities to be guest hosts for the Able Voices podcast. Today, you'll meet our next guest host, actor and musician Noah Britton. Noah Britton is a singer, songwriter, guitarist, clothing designer, performance artist, and comedian. In 2010, he co-founded the first comedy troupe composed of people with Asperger's syndrome, Asperger's Are Us, who have performed over 150 shows in 10 countries. In his spare time, he is a psychology professor and has worked directly with people on the autism spectrum since 2005. Welcome, Noah. We are delighted to have you as our next guest host. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, shout out to Berkeley, my favorite uh, music school in all of Boston. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> I can't so, name any others. Yeah. There you go. We're the one you can name, and therefore we're the favorite. Exactly. Um, so let's start off by hearing your story as an artist. How did you start as a musician, actor, clothing designer, and how did you get to where you are today? Well, I guess when I was five, um, we had to do a play. And when you're in kindergarten and you do a play, uh, it usually doesn't make any sense. It's just kids sort of chaotically running around. And <laughs> I was kind of disappointed in the kids for not following the lines and stuff that had been written for us. And I was like, we're losing the audience. We got to get them back. And I just dumped a trash can on my head because I was like, this will bring back the audience. And it worked. And that was like really my first show, I think. And I don't know, it's probably been downhill from there. Um, <laughs> I really peaked at five. And now, you know, here I am. I have to, I have an audience of one, uh, but hopefully more people will listen to this. I don't know. I guess I spent a lot of years growing up desperately wanting to perform. It was all I wanted other than teaching psych. Those are the two things I wanted as a child. And it's very hard because you're in middle school and it's like, unless you want to be an actor, which I don't, I can't really act well. You know, I'm a performer, but I'm a very bad, like impressionist of other things that aren't me. Uh, so if you don't want to do that, there aren't a lot of out outlets. And so playing music was really the like, this is where you can get a stage show going. And it took, um, you know, till I was like 12 before I started making albums. And then I was like 14 before I did my first ever show outside of, you know, choir for school chorus. And then it was just the biggest thrill, just getting to have the audience that pop from the crowd. Nothing feels better. So I'm still chasing that high in every show I do and with everything I make. And when I get bored of making something, I stop. Even if I'm really good at it and people like it, I'm like, I already did that. So I'm going to do something else now. And I think that has made me far less successful than somebody like Rob Thomas, who's comfortable just doing the same thing every day for 30 years and, you know, doing it so, so badly. <laughs> just a little smooth insult I'm throwing in. Uh, 
I caught that smooth reference. Yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> I would hope so. It's just like the ocean. Uh, but yeah. Under the moon. Mm -hmm. So can I ask you some questions about yeah. what you already said? Yeah, so absolutely. So three things struck me. I started scribbling notes. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're five years old. Yeah. And you have this instinct about we've got the audience, we don't have the audience. Yeah. This is not typical. What is that? I don't know. I mean, I'm a psychologist and I, I don't know. I mean, it's just personality. Some people were good at arm wrestling or balancing on the balance beam. And I was absolutely incapable of doing those things. And I just had that impulse of like, you know, I want to, I can read the audience well, just instinctively. And I really desperately want to get a good reaction from them, not so much because I want them to love me, but because I enjoy that emotional response that comes from, you know, that excitement. It's like mm. the pot of gold you're looking for. And yeah, I don't know. So I can't answer it. I wish I had a better, better knowledge, but I think it's really amazing. I know a lot of five year olds. I, I don't know <laughs> that. Um, so another thing that struck me, you always wanted to be a performer and a psychology professor. Mm -hmm. Most people wouldn't put those two things together. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. I think, you know, when I was eight, I asked my mom what the study of psychology, uh, what the study of how people think is called. And she said psychology. And I was like, are you sure? I've never heard of that. And she was like, yes. And I was like, oh, I want to be a psychologist. And she's like, well, you're going to have to wait like 10 years. And I was horrified. I was like, what? I have to hmm. waste half my childhood studying stuff I don't care about before I'm allowed to study the thing I'm interested in. And there's literally nowhere I can study performance. This sucks. And it did. It really sucked. <laughs> I had to learn like history and stuff, you know, which in no way has improved my life. Um, and I, uh, I'm so glad that very shortly after I was able to start performing and you know, 10 years after I got out of high school, I was able to start teaching psych. I think I didn't know what was going through neurotypicals heads and studying psychology has been so helpful for, I mean, it's neurotypical studies in so many ways. And there's this part about autism where you can learn about what autistic people are like. So it's been invaluable to me to be able to understand um, what differences there are and what to expect about human behavior. I think the best, the best thing I recommend for a lot of Aspies I encounter is like, learn about psych, learn how the mind works so you can grasp what's going through other people's heads. Mm -hmm. And then that, uh, that really helped me get better as a performer also. You know, I love social psych the most because it's all about just how do you mess with people and see what they're gonna do Mm, exactly. And that's what performing yeah. is, right? It can be, you know, there are people who are like, I'm an actor and I will do what I'm told and I will play the role and embody that character. And that's not at all what I do as a psychologist either. But there's people who like Stanley Milgram do experiments and they're like, I want to sure. see what these people do. And that's something I think I've done a lot of as a performance artist is just like, how will the crowd respond if I am, um, you know, if I am uh playing electric guitar with 
my electric fan at the same time and it's on like how will the audience react like i don't care how it sounds i'm just trying to see what will people do when they see this bizarre thing and it took me a long time to get past the point of needing to study human behavior that way and now i'm at the point where i'm like i just want to give people a good experience i know what makes a good or bad show for people and i want it to be good for people but for a while i really had to test it out and see what people would or wouldn't do. I think this is a really different perspective on um, putting art out there because I think most performers, certainly that I've talked to and people that I know and including myself, mm -hmm. think much more about, I wanna create this product, this performance, this thing, sure. that thing the best it can be. Mm -hmm. And if I do that, then the audience will love it. Well, and I feel I... that way too, that's important, okay. but I, I, okay. don't, I don't wanna dismiss that. Um, but sometimes the thing is getting an audience reaction, a specific one, you know, sometimes that is the thing I'm trying to make. I know. see. Yeah. So can, so for example, um, I've seen the fantastic Duplass brothers documentary series on Asperger's R Us, which if you haven't seen it is on HBO, you can get it on HBO now and it's definitely worth, um, it's a fabulous the movie that came out first was is on netflix the self-titled asperger's or us movie so yes which i've also seen series. and so i've seen yeah yes yeah, they're both great i've seen lots of snippets of those shows mm -hmm. right so when you were working on those pieces mm -hmm. for example yeah you were doing both of those things like i want this yeah, to be the best totally so can you tell me, have you ever had a bad reaction or a reaction yeah. you didn't anticipate? <laughs> oh yeah, 100%. I mean, I think as far as doing performance art, sometimes you're like, I don't care what the reaction is. I just want the thing to be out there. And other times you're like, I want to make sure people are on board with this. And doing comedy, that happens, obviously. If you're telling jokes or something, you want people to laugh. And if they're not laughing, whatever other stuff you're doing is really going to bomb. And that's the worst feeling in the world where you're like, okay, this, this is a bad idea. Um, Asperger's or us has certainly had shows that didn't go well. And uh, oftentimes it was because the audience was sort of assuming we would be different than we were. If you treat us seriously as artists and give us a chance you'd be like, that's so funny that they did that. But if you come in through this lens of um, pity for the disabled, you'd be like, I don't know what's going on. I can't imagine these people are capable of doing something that inventive. So I'm going to just be confused. And that happened. We would have shows where we'd bomb purely because the crowd was expecting us to be really like simple people and unable to come up with anything that was inventive on that level. And so they would never laugh and then they would politely applaud and then they would not laugh at the next sketch and they would politely applaud. And then we would be just like, well, this was a waste of everybody's time, <laughs> but at least we yeah. got paid. Um, it bothers me to hear that those attitudes, I'm not surprised, yeah. but it that's i can see how that would have just been an enormous obstacle you know joe para the like famous and hilarious comedian he has a show that just ended on adult swim like he's awesome and he always does well when he opened for us at caroline's on broadway in manhattan 
which is in the TV show, he oh. he bombed, which is rare because the audience were like, this guy might have a disability and I don't want to laugh at him. They just didn't know what to do. And like, he's being very funny. So it was amazing that the only people who laughed at his set were the four of us in Asperger's or us. Huh. We're sitting in the back of the room cracking up because he's so funny. And everyone else in the crowd is just sitting there like afraid. If I laugh, it's because I'm laughing at this guy and not realizing like he could be in on the joke too. Right, so right, right. Our set did not go that well that night either. Um, mm. And it was amazing. Like, wow, Joe Parrott bombed? Like what? He's yeah. so good. <laughs> Very interesting. You're giving me the segue to my next question. Mm -hmm. So, and we're, we're touching on this already. Um, I know our listeners want to know what it's like to be a performance artist with a disability. What, yeah. what that particular piece of it is like. So along with the part where people don't take you seriously, you're also given extra credit you don't deserve. I mean, Asperger's yeah. or us, I knew from the beginning we would be famous and successful whether we were good or not because there were no other groups of autistic people doing anything. Like I tried to find one and there weren't any, it was just support groups and us. So I was like, right. oh, like it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter if we're any good. Our reactions are going to be pretty similar. And so it spoils you. We told the guy who made our movie, we were like, this is going to be a big hit. And he thought, you know, these guys are arrogant. They're full of themselves. We're like, no, it's not because we're good. It has nothing to do with us. It's just because it's called Asperger's or us. That's the only reason anyone is interested. And some people, after they're interested, they like it and they get it and they think we're genuinely funny. And other people are like, well, you know, those poor unfortunate souls. Uh, or they're like, oh, that was very informative. Um, so that's one piece of it. You know, Jack Stauber is a fan of mine and we made a video together and he wrote me a completely like unsolicited nice message but the stuff he included in it was really good i was like hey i like your music sure i'll make this this song you want me to sing and then it turned out he was incredibly famous which i didn't know at the time i was just like this is a good song yeah i'll make it for you um cool. whereas yeah it's hard it's it's hard to let these people down and it's impossible to get them to leave you alone so it's like we're not rich and famous. We can't help you. And you're pestering us endlessly because you want somebody to make you make it. And we don't even have the power to do that if we wanted to, which we don't because we don't like what you're doing. So it's all this pressure on us with very little benefit. And that's the tough part. How did you learn how to do all these things? It's all DIY. Growing up, um, I made a mistake of spending more time reading interviews with performers than I did reading much else and reading more like music journalism stuff than anything else. And music journalism, I think, was a very bad influence on me because it sort of takes the joy out of music and makes it like chess, which isn't any good. You know, when you're like, these are my top albums of the year, like you don't need to think of music that way. It's not a it's not an opinion contest. You need to just enjoy it and be like, this is cool. Check this out. And I think we moved away from that. But for me, it was a bad influence. And it made me look at it more academically instead of in the like fun, emotional way music's supposed to be. But it also meant 
I didn't learn how to do anything properly. I learned this very, very DIY style where beat happening or like, it doesn't matter. We don't know how to play our instruments. And that might be true if your goal is to make chaotic noise. But if your goal is to write songs that sound good, you should know how to play your instruments so you can accomplish your goal. And I didn't get that for a long time. And I'm still pretty bad at most of the instruments I play. I'm never going to be good at guitar. I'm just like, okay. And, you know, I wish I had spent more time working on it myself. But again, I had zero uh, support for anything I wanted to do. It was either, let's get you lessons. And I'm like, I don't want to learn how to do it the way other people do. They'll try to make me sound like an opera singer. I want to learn to sing like chino marino or something at that time when i was young and now and now i'm like well i wish i knew more about this i wish i were more practiced so yeah it's 100 percent diy forever and asperger's or us was the same we had no help and i'm grateful that uh we got as far as we did tell me about what you're working on now what's coming yeah up all right um i'm playing uh in my new band, Party and Fun, which is the first band I've been in whose purpose is to make dance music. I've never done this in my life. Uh, I play very distorted electric guitar and sing laconically. And I have uh, <laughs> Ian playing bass, playing disco beats on the bass, and Thomas playing disco drums. And uh, we have costumes, and our songs are about partying and having fun, but still through the lens of me being me so it's you know we're not the village people or we're more like me fronting the village people which is not something you can imagine which is why you should I was gonna say. Fun. and the other thing i'm doing is i have this big birthday show my dream show this year uh for my birthday on october 23rd at joe's pub in manhattan it's going to be joe para jeffrey lewis me and then stephen merritt um, wow. Magnetic Fields, my number one hero. And uh, it's the best venue. Like, it, I couldn't ask for anything better. So I'm so thrilled. It'll be career retrospective of my songs with all my bandmates. And yeah, sometimes good stuff happens when you work really hard and get really lucky and stick with it for 30 years. Absolutely. Um, I want to go back to the first project you mentioned. Yeah. What are the costumes that you wear? I want to be able party to visualize and, it. Party and fun. Um, at our first show, wore these uh, Batman and Robin costumes that I found on the side of the road. Uh, and I'd had in my room for a year. And I was like, I desperately want to do a show in these. And finally, we got to do it. And I, you know, I was like, it doesn't really matter if the show goes well, as long as I did the thing. So that made me happy. But for our show this coming Saturday uh, at Lilypad, Saturday night, um, I was like, we need different costumes, but now there's three of us. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to grab a bunch of old wigs and stuff and see what I can find. And and uh, I don't know what we're going to wear. I've got this fake suit and this big red wig and this fake beard. And I don't know what. We'll see what I come up with and what the other guys come up with. Mm. So it should be a good time. It sounds like a great time. Um, I want to go back to your teaching. Yeah. 
So when you teach, are you doing the same kind of thing? You're putting out stuff to get a reaction from the students? I used to do that. Um, when I started, I did more psych experiments on them than I do now. I still do to some extent. There will be times like the very first thing I ask my students is I show them an illusion and I'm like, which way is she spinning? The Spinning Dancer by Nobu Yuku Takahara. I think I messed that name up. Um, but the spinning dancer, it's an illusion. There's no right answer of whether you're spinning left or right. So that's one where the goal is to see the student be like, I don't know. And their mind is blown because they realize they, you think you can see which way something's spinning all the time and they realize they don't. So I do little stuff like that, but I tend to be more honest with my students than I used to be as a performer because they trust you more when you're honest. And I want to really create that sense of they can be straight with me because they know I'm going to be straight with them. So you used to do more of that than you do now? A little bit. Like my first semester, I had uh, my ex-wife run in and steal all of my uh, papers and grades from the students. And I was like, where are my grades, everybody? And they're like, what? This woman came in and grabbed them. I was like, what? Who? Where is she? And then I had her come back. I was like, you all learn nothing about the bystander effect. We'd already learned it at that point. I was like, you got to remember this. When somebody does something weird, you got to call them out and see, like, why is this happening? They're like, it was so fast. I had no idea. I was like, okay, cool. You did learn. That is what it's like. But I haven't done that, that particular thing since. It was, you know. I want to thank you for your time today and for sharing all of this. Um, so I think much. you've given our listeners a lot to think about, and we're going to look forward to you being our host. Um, I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm so excited. We're going to have some great people who I know of, but, you know, I'm disappointed that Feliciano and Bocelli's people haven't gotten back to me. Well, you never know. You never yeah. know. When you, Time, maybe a hundred messages. When you told me that you wanted me to interview people I had a pre-existing relationship with, I was like, I better get a relationship with these guys before the time comes, but I haven't heard back. So, you know, maybe someday. Maybe someday. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you a lot. We really thank appreciate it. Thank you so much, it. Rhoda. All right. Thank you. Voices is a production of the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education, led by me, Dr. Rhoda Bernard, the Founding Managing Director. It is produced by Daniel Martinez del Campo. The intro music is by Kai Levin, and our closing song is by Sebastian Batista. Kai and Sebastian are students in the arts education programs at the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education. If you would like to learn more about our work, Find us online at berkeley.edu slash B-I-A-A-E or email us at B-I-A-A-E at berkeley, that's L-E-E, dot edu.